Hi everyone, this is Trish Kendall, your host for the Choose and Become interview series. I made five critical choices on my journey from the pit of despair to what I consider the peak of success, enduring success, lasting success, true success. And those five critical choices I made was first just to make a first choice. And then the second was to commit to a two-way agreement, then to build trust first in myself and then inspire the trust of others. The fourth choice was to create community and belonging. And the fifth critical choice I made was to embrace my boundless capacity to give love and to receive love. Now in this series, I get to interview people who I admire and I get to learn a little bit more about their perspective on enduring success and the way that manifests in their lives. And I ask them these five choices, these five critical choices to get their perspective and lessons and insights and wisdom. So today in a sec, you'll see pop up my guest who I'm really excited to be with. I'm here today with Aricia Antoine. Now you can say hi now though, I see you. Uh, Aricia is the Assistant Vice President of Corporate Engagement and Special Events for the Volunteers of America in the greater New York area. And you and I connected, so we really connected about a year ago, the work that you do with the AFP, the New Jersey chapter, and specifically the work that you do in co-chairing the committee, the idea co committee there. So we did some work together. I won't say much more about that in case you infuse it into our conversation, but right away I was connected to you. And I knew that I wanted to learn more about you and learn more about what you do in your community. And I wanted to share that with my community. So thank you for saying yes. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's just start. Will you just tell my audience and my community a little bit more about you? Uh, sure. Uh, where do I start? Um, right. <laughs> That's always the question. Uh, I guess, you know, I can't speak about myself without um, telling the biggest part of myself, which is, you know, I'm an immigrant. I was born in a little on a little island um, surrounded by family and friends, um, but I didn't have that many resources. But what I had an abundance of was love and community. Um, my mom came, my mom and I came to the States uh, when I was young. Um, and, you know, the lack of resources, it wasn't apparent to me until we were, you know, in America. And I, I realized that I was very different than other people. Um, but, you know, my mom always found a way to make ends meet. So, you know, she's an incredible woman um, and I'm very, very grateful for her. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had um, by moving to America, uh, because without these opportunities, I wouldn't be where I am today. And you know, I'm going to want to just pull more of that as we go. Uh, it is one of the things that hit me so hard when we were just prepping a little bit and talking a little bit about this interview is talking about your family, your mother, and the community that was around you. Mm -hmm. So First and foremost, I think we all have our own definition of what success is. And perhaps maybe that definition also evolves over time. Right now where you're at, when we talk about enduring success, creating enduring success, what does that mean to you? 
Huh. Success isn't a very linear thing, right? And it does look different for everyone. Um, I think for many people, including myself, uh, success, it's filled with challenges. It's filled with strife. Um, and to me, enduring success means that you're resilient in the face of, um, you know, circumstances that are meant to knock you down. Um, I think that once you, you know, you have an idea in your mind of what you want to do and you realize that your success isn't only about you, your success is um, about people who look up to you, about, you know, family who you want to make proud. You just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing until you you get where you want to go. Mm. Oh, my God. It hits me so hard, too, because so much so much of what I do is to try to inspire younger women, the women that look up to us. Mm -hmm. And in, in all of the chaos of the world, it's so easy to get hung up on success being better than, you know, being better than or having more than others. And so my success is dictated by your failure. And what you just said, or your failure or success dictates mine. And what you just said resonates so strongly because you said you lift people up around you. And Mm -hmm. as you achieve and create more success it's the people around you that create and you help fuel that exactly i i have a goal um and i wrote it a few years ago and i think my life goal is to inspire um little girls who look like me you know whether it's my little cousins or little girls who may be looking up to me and i may not you know may not even know um but to use i want them to use me as an inspiration when you know people tell them that they're they can't do something or you know they're not good enough um use me as inspiration and you know i can be someone who can show them that they are good enough and they can um you know achieve their goals and put their minds to achieving anything that they set out to do Eresia, you will and you do <laughs> There is no doubt in my mind. Thank you, Trish. So I believe or I experience that success begins with making a first choice. Nobody can make the choices for us. We have to make first choices on our own. And you know my story and, and, and my first choice. I'm curious when you reflect on your journey to here, what's a first choice that you made that you know impacted your journey to success oh boy or one of them (laughs) because i think there can be multiple first choices of course um i would say that is my career um you know i've spent the entirety of my career in the nonprofit sector um and it's a big part of me a big part of who i am to to give back um you know, when I was in my village growing up, I always saw my um, my mom and my great grandmother and my grandma um, giving back to those, even when they didn't really have that much to give back. Um, it was a big part of who they are, and, and they raised me to be that way as well. Um, so, yeah, here I am in my career, you know, my 11 years in a nonprofit sector, um, you know, giving back to others. So I think that was definitely my first choice. Will you tell will you um, tell my community a little bit more about what you do today with Volunteers of America? Sure. And just a little bit more about VOA to begin with. 
Okay. Um, Volunteers of America Greater New York um, is part, you know, of a, a national organization. We are the Greater New York affiliate. Uh, we are a 127-year-old uh, human services organization um, with a goal of ending homelessness in the greater New York area by the year 2050 um, through health, housing, and wealth building initiatives. Um, each year, we provide about 13,000 uh, individuals with permanent and uh, temporary supportive housing. Um, and with one of our most popular initiatives, Operation Backpack, that number swells to around 30,000. Um, we have around 60 programs in four of the boroughs in Manhattan, um, at Westchester County and Northern New Jersey. Uh, the people that we serve, it's, it's a wide range of people. So it's veterans, um, the elderly, uh, victims of domestic violence, um, those who have been afflicted with mental health or substance abuse issues, um, children with developmental delays, children who are aging out of the foster care system, um, chronically homeless individuals and families. I honestly don't think that there is a, a vulnerable population um, in the greater New York area who we don't have a, a hand in, in serving. So yeah, it's an it's a incredible organization. I'm very, very fortunate to be a part of it. And the first choice you made 11 years ago led you, led you to here. And it, here's something it does not seem like this is the case with you, but I'm going to ask anyways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I see for myself and for others that making a first choice is really hard. It, you, you, you know what you want to do or how to do it, but it just seems so hard to make that choice. Did you struggle with that at all? Or have you struggled with making first choices? Um, for my career... <laughs> I, I don't think it was that difficult of a choice. I had a, I thought I was going to be, you know, a human resources professional. Um, I did an internship in college where, you know, I was at um, another human services organization, ironically, and I was um, interning in the HR department. And one day the development department just needed help with an event. And you know, I, I worked and I helped them with that event and they got me into like the day-to-day, -day, um, you know, logistics of everything and actually really enjoyed it. It was more fast paced than I believe HR would be. And I was just, that was more appealing to me yeah. at the time. And, you know, I, I just stuck with it. My first job after graduating with my undergraduate degree um, was as a development assistant. I'm at a community hospital and I just never look back from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you'll just keep on, keep on making an impact. I'll take us to the second critical choice. The second choice that I made on my journey was to commit to a two-way agreement. And at that time I was 20 and the agreement I committed to was between me and my sister and her husband when they took me in when I was recovering from drugs, right? My community knows this when I was recovering. So when I think about two-way agreements, it's really when two people or two entities come together with a mutually beneficial objective, you know, mm -hmm. for both of us to meet a mutually beneficial objective. And we structure this together. And then the power though is in committing to it. And I think about informal and formal two-way agreements that we all enter into all of the time. And what I 
I'm curious about is what's your perspective on the idea of committing to a two-way agreement, the committing aspect of it? And is there one in your life that is a good example that you'd like to share about this is an agreement that I entered into and here's what I gave and here's what I got? Um, I think, you know, in the first part of my career, um, it was easy to commit to two-way agreements, right? Because I had more um, time and time, you know, is the most valuable resource. But as I advance in my career, I find that more um, challenging. Like when I was uh, younger, um, I would volunteer for a lot of things. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most passionate about, and I don't know if many people know this, is about animals um, and about wildlife. So I used to volunteer at a a no-kill animal shelter, and it was just... Uh, the most fulfilling thing for me. And I, I did that for um, many years. And it's actually where I, I adopted my dog. Um, and yeah, yeah, that is, that's a two-way agreement that I just, I loved. And other volunteer um, initiatives that I've taken um, a role in as well. Um, but now uh, I think one of the two-way agreements that I want to focus on um it's a it's a personal endeavor, but it also um, it's a social impact small business that I have started, um, and it's a jewelry line that essentially gives back to artisans in developing countries, um, and uh, you know a portion of the proceeds goes towards empowering uh, impoverished women. So, aside from my uh, you know my my roles in committees and um, you know my nine to five job. Not really nine to five, but my nine oh, to five job. Um, that's the only other thing that I I, I plan on really dedicating myself um, to and, and focusing on because I know through that I can help more people and and that's really like I said before that's really a goal of mine. It's awesome and the acknowledgement on your side that you actually have to commit to it because especially and you just said this I mean you have your day job you have your night job you're on committees, you volunteer in other aspects of creating change just within your community, and you're going to do this. So I believe you will. And there's no doubt. But the being cognizant of this is an agreement I'm going to commit to. Mm -hmm. And these are the things because you're a writer, I think you write things down too. these are the things that I'm committing to, I'm committing to myself uh, on what's going to be done. So Just listen to what she just said, because so much of the commitment is really just in writing something down and saying, this is what I'm going to do by when, maybe with whom, for what. Exactly. Um, and I I should plug my own business. <laughs> so it's called Riches of St. Hill. Um, if anyone is interested in checking out the pieces, it's at Riches of St. Hill. Um, that's R-I-C-H-E-S-S-T-H-I-L-L.com. And you should follow on Instagram as well. Yeah, perfect. And I'll put it on there when we... All right. So then let's keep going to the third critical choice, which was for me was to build trust. First, I had to build trust in myself. And then that enabled me to begin to inspire the trust of others. And as I went through my own little mini journey to build trust in myself, 
I actually learned that if you do the little things great, great things can happen. So I'm going to end up asking you a number of questions in this category of building trust, because I, I really want your perspective. First and foremost, uh, has there been a time, or let me change this, how do you build trust in yourself throughout the years, throughout your journey? How do you build trust in yourself? Because you know all the younger women are asking themselves that same question. It's about action and it's about confidence. I think people think that confidence is something that, you know, some people are just born with, but confidence, it's like a muscle that you have to grow. Um, and how you build trust in yourself is just by practicing that, looking in the mirror and, you know, speaking words of affirmation to yourself. Um, if you're afraid of doing something, just do it anyway. Just do it anyway, because even if you fail, you know, you learn some valuable lesson from that experience that you wouldn't have gotten before. And you're, you know, one step closer to achieving whatever you need to achieve um, by failing before. Like, you know what you need to do differently to, you know, achieve your goal going forward. Um, so how I build confidence in myself is just by going out there and doing what I need to do and just looking fear in the eye um, and doing it anyway. Um, there are so many things that I do um, that I'm, you know, I'm afraid to do. Uh, like I'm a relatively young executive. Um, I don't like public speaking. I, even this is, you know, being kind of vulnerable uh, to me, but you know, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. Um, so just be brave. That's the only advice that I would have. Just be brave. You inspire me. Do it anyway. You inspire me. You do. How do you, um, so let's speak to the younger women again. How, how do you inspire the trust of others? Or speak to anybody, but I, mm -hmm. I think about us as inspiring those younger women. How do you inspire the trust of others? By extending empathy. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the people, the younger women who are on my team or the women who are on my team, extending empathy and showing up for others and showing that you care, um, leading by example, um, apart from those younger women, like as a professional and as a professional who oftentimes I, I don't look like other people in the room. Um, it's just getting things done and showing that you you're dedicated to getting things done. Um, like I said, it's, it's not really nine to five, um, you know, go going above and beyond, I think is, is a way that, you know, you inspire trust in others to show that you, you genuinely care and you're, you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You're not afraid to um, do something that, you know, typically someone at a, at a lower level would be doing. Like, there's nothing that's too low for me. And I, I think that is what, you know, my team would say about me. Like, I always get in there and, and do things with them. And I think that's how you, you inspire trust in others. Uh, I think that's awesome. Now, this is going to take me to uh, an observation before I get... I'll tell you what my next question, my last question for Build Trust is, mm -hmm. but then I'm going to go to my observation. And then at... So my question is going to be... Uh, 
Is there a little thing that you do consistently that, so I believe do the little things great and great things happen. So Mm -hmm. I am curious, is there a little thing that you do consistently that has impacted your journey to either building trust or to success? I think um, this ties into both of those things, actually, but I make a point of building genuine relationships with people. And I think this has gotten me really, really far, you know, in both my personal life and um, my career, Um, getting to know people, um, learning from them. I think once you think you know everything, you're totally wrong. There's always someone that you can learn from, um, you know, whether it's a janitor at a company or, you know, someone in the C-suite at a company, there's always someone who has a unique life experience to yours that, you know, you can learn great gems from. Um, so that's something I make a point of doing. Yeah. I think relationships have gotten me really, really far in my life. And that's something that I would uh, encourage other young women to do as well. Wonderful. My observation was going to be uh, when you said you get down and get your hands, you know, in it, it's just most recently all the time that you spent in August with Operation (laughs) Backpack, right? So is that wrapped up now? Is is this because kids are back to school? Kids are back to school, but the number of kids who are in need, it's just going to keep on growing, unfortunately. So when we first got the number... um, of children who we would be providing supplies to for the initiative for this year's campaign. Um, that was around 23,000. Um, now that number is around 30,000 and wow. it's just expected to keep on growing. Um, it's a combination of the um, eviction moratorium expiring. It's a combination of rent prices just increasing and you know families not being able to uh, afford rent. So they're now homeless. and. Of course, it's um, because of, you know, the large influx of asylum seeking families who have entered into the city as well. Um, So all of those things combined, it's it's, you know, we have unprecedented, unprecedented numbers of of kids who need support. Um, So although the Operation Backpack campaign is technically over, uh, we still need supplies. We still need funds. We still need resources to be able to support these children throughout the year. And um, give us the website really quick, and then I'll put it on too. But what's the website that people can go to? Of course. So it's voa-gny um, backslash, backslash operation backpack. Okay, perfect. Uh, now, this, this whole conversation leads me to the fourth critical choice, which, is, which was for me to mm-hmm. create community and belonging, which is... Honestly, Aricia, I I could spend all of my time only on that every single day of my day thinking about how can I continue to create community and belonging for others, for myself, for those people that don't have, like, really, that is where my biggest passion lies. And and probably because I grew up not belonging. And, you know, I was in my early 30s before I actually realized that it's not a badge of honor that I held, you know, that I don't need people and I don't need to be a part of a community. I actually wanted to belong and I needed to figure out how to make that happen. So I went off on a little tangent there for a second. 
so much of what you do and what you were talking about, about the village and your mom and your grandma and is all around community. So let me just start with, give me your perspective around community and belonging. And, uh, and then, and then I would like to go a little bit deeper with you on some questions. Sure. Um, like I said before, relationships are probably like the most important thing in my life. Um, community is the most important thing in my life. You know, I have an amazing support system in my family um, and in my my friends, um, my coworkers, um, you know, the, the different, uh, you know, groups that organizations that I'm a part of, um, even, you know, as a, a new business owner, like making relationships with artisans um, in the area that I, that I live in. It's, it's incredible because what I find is that, you know, people, they push you and they support you and they help you see sides of yourself that you don't necessarily see. So I think that's important to have those people around you to, because they push you to heights and they help you see um, different visions that you, you don't necessarily see for yourself. Ah, just awesome. And and one of the things that I heard with what you just said is these um, these different units of community. You mm-hmm. know, you have different almost communities. Mm-hmm. And do you ever find or or try to cross pollinate any of your communities? Does um, that make sense? It it, it does. It does. Um, I. Like my, I mix my my family and my friend groups. Um, you know, I mix my professional groups and my friend groups. Yeah. And you know, my friends are always willing. I'm nonprofit, so my friends are always willing to come out and help volunteer at anything that that I'm doing. Yeah. Same for my family. Um, and I'm always connecting people because I, you know, people help me and I want to help them. So I, I think that you know, by helping others create new relationships. Um, you know, that's really beneficial as well. And a a big part of community is creating belonging. So I'm going to ask Mm -hmm. two questions. I'm going to start with the, with with the, what does it feel like to not belong? And then I want to hear from you. What does it feel like to belong? Mm -hmm. So what we know, but from your perspective, what does it feel like not to belong? Um, I think the time that I felt, um, you know, that I, I didn't belong is especially when I first came to the States and, you know, being different, being the, the new kid and being someone who stood out, it didn't, it didn't feel good. It felt lonely. Um, you know, even in spaces like earlier in my career, when I didn't look like other people that felt lonely too. Um, and it doesn't, I don't mean that, you know, you always have to have someone around you to feel that you fit in, but, you know, having people make a point of, you know, trying to make you feel like you belong, I think is really, really important too. Um, so yeah, it, it felt lonely. It felt discouraging. Um, and it's not something that I would ever want anyone to experience or go through. And I think that's why I, I try to make a point of no matter where I am, um, trying to make people feel like they're welcome and they belong. 
and how does it feel to belong? Feels amazing. Um, it feels like you're seen. It feels like you're heard. It feels like you're valued. It feels like you're supported. Um, and like I said before, when when you feel all those things, um, and when you have a community that pushes you and a community that you belong to, um, you feel like you can take on the world and you can take on any challenge. That's awesome. Uh, I want to get your perspective on, on, on what I think here a little bit with, with mm-hmm. belonging with what we're talking about it is for me, I believe that belonging requires reciprocity, meaning it's not an idea it's an Mm -hmm. action Mm -hmm. and it requires action on both of our parts. It's what, what you just said made me think about this is who do you see that perhaps might not belong and what can you do to create even a moment, a moment, a a, a mini moment of belonging. And then it requires that person to want to accept and try because maybe they've tried a thousand times before and it's never worked. So Mm -hmm. it takes courage and, all that stuff. So I believe that it takes action. It's not an idea. Mm -hmm. It's an action. And it requires both. You know, it requires both. And I think that's a little bit of what you were saying or what I took from you saying. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to add on top of this is uh, I believe that there's nothing more important than who we are as individuals. And it's our life experiences that make us who we are and so to really start to create a sense of belonging within the community or within the group or within the team or within whatever it is perhaps perhaps we can start thinking about creating safe spaces for people to start to exchange some of those individual experiences that make them who they are which is what you said yes to today to do this for my community. <laughs> exactly. Um, safe spaces are so important. Um, making people feel welcome is so important. I think with technology and with you know the world of distractions um, today, I think that it kind of, you know, it kind of hinders relationships in a way. I think an important part. Um, of making people feel seen, making people feel like they belong is being present um, without any distractions and, you know, you know, making them know that you care, like ask genuine questions, Um, you know, remember their dog's name, remember something that they had going on last week, bring that up so that, you know, they, they know that you care. And I think that's what's missing in a lot of today's, um, you know, relationships, everything's just at the surface value um, because either we're too busy or we have too much going on that we don't have time to, to build and maintain those general, genuine relationships yeah. anymore. And I wish that's something that um, more people would make a point of doing. Me too. And you know what? We will. We do. And mm-hmm. we will continue. And that even goes into building trust. What you were saying about building trust, show up with empathy and show that you care. And mm-hmm. it all comes together. It all comes together. I'm going to take us to the final, the the fifth and final choice. Uh, For me, for me, the fifth critical choice I made on my journey to finally getting to enduring success is that I finally chose to embrace my boundless capacity to give love and receive love. 
And the distinction I want to make within this conversation is what I'm not talking about is love the emotion that isn't a choice. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's love that we feel as an emotion that you just feel it. What I am talking about is, is love as an action, which is a choice. And that manifests itself in so many different ways, practical and profound, for different people in different situations and, and different perspectives. So we all have different examples. What I'm really drawn to with you is the manifestation of giving love that VOA, Greater New York, displays every day. And you being one of the leaders of the helm there in giving love to the community. So just give me your perspective on how the organization and and giving love manifests and what other community members can do to keep giving. I think VOA as an organization just embodies love and, you know, the corporate partners and the community partners that we work with, they show their love by not forgetting, you know, their impoverished neighbors, people who need their support and people who need their help. Um, I remember an example of love that I've seen since working at this organization um, was at the first distribution event for Operation Backpack. Um, And for, I remember, mentioned Operation Backpack before, but for those of you who don't know what Operation Backpack is, um, it's a 21-year-old community service initiative where Volunteers of America, Greater New York, uh, we provide backpacks filled with great appropriate school supplies to every single child residing in a New York City homeless shelter. Um, It's an initiative that was founded by us um, and, you know, other affiliates of uh, Volunteers of America have been doing it for some time as well. Um, So at one of the distribution events at one of the shelters, um, I got to see the kids um, receiving the backpacks uh, that were donated by our corporate and community partners. Um, It's not only, you know, they're receiving backpacks that weren't their choice. They come into a room filled with backpacks that were given by our partners and they chose what they wanted, Um, whether, you know, it's a a uh, Roblox backpack or, you know, a Barbie backpack, something that, you know, they loved and, you know, they wanted um, and something that would enable them to go back to school feeling confident um, and not feeling different than their peers. Um, that was love to me that I actually cried when I went to that distribution event um, to see the smiles on uh, the faces of the kids and the parents who are so grateful because, you know, if it wasn't for our community partners, they would, they wouldn't otherwise be able to provide these things for their kids. You know, these are people who struggle to um, put food on the table for their kids. If it wasn't for VOA, they, they wouldn't have the means to to have um, essential items like that, like food or personal hygiene items, or, you know, much less backpacks. It it costs at least a hundred dollars to send kids back to school with, you know, the the supplies and um, the backpacks themselves. So that was just an incredible manifestation of love to me. Um, And yeah, I'm grateful that I got to witness that and experience that. And I'm, I'm so grateful to our community partners who make those things possible. Theresia, that is a beautiful story and example to to wrap me up, wrap us up, and 
you know this, but I'm gonna, and my community knows, but I'm going to say it one more time because I believe with my whole heart that we create enduring success and fuel the success of others. What you said at the very beginning is you know, success fueling the success of others when we choose to give love mm-hmm. and when we choose to receive it. And even in, even in the aspect of what time can I give? You know, do they say time, talent, treasure? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you think about the manifestation of giving love, what can we do within our community and communities such that we can give a little bit of our time or a little bit of our talent or a little bit of our treasure or whatever it is and also be cognizant of receiving the love that others want to give back. You chose to come here today and give me your love and receive the love that I wanted to give you. And I appreciate you so much. Why am I so emotional? I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much. And I think you are an inspiration to me and to everyone around you. And I can't wait to continue to just watch you soar. Thank you so much, Trish. This was amazing. And I'm glad that you thought of me to do this. Yes, beautiful. Okay, thank you for joining us for the Choose and Become interview series. I can't wait to drop this and I'll make sure that when I release it, I have um, all the websites and and, uh, places to go that we talked about in this episode. All right. Thank you for joining me for our Choose and Become interview series. You could find this episode and others at trishkendall.com. Just go to trishkendall.com backslash choose dash become dash interview dash series or if you have a question or just want to leave a comment email me trish at trishkendall.com